0: Good morning. Today's scripture reading comes from Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 11, and you may follow along on your pew Bible on page 639. For surely I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord, plans for your welfare and not for harm, to give you a future with hope. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks Thanks be to God. Thanks, Sean. I just want to point something out. Could you go, go back for me to the scripture reading for just a second here? Uh, James Mills is our director of technology here at Ebenezer Church. Does a lot of the scripting for us. You know he could have fit that entire scripture on one slide, right? <laughs> he just wanted to give Mark back there something to do. And I appreciate that. Mark, Mark's better when we give him something to do, but I, I want to take a moment. We've got some folks right behind that wall in our production room that are running our online ministry. We've got some folks who are helping to run the work in here. Would you take me a moment, take a moment with me and help me celebrate these wonderful, wonderful servants? God bless you guys and thank you. The United Methodist Church is, is divided into annual conference. We're, we're part of the Virginia annual conference here at Ebenezer Church, uh, in, in the state of Virginia. And, uh, there are about 1,150 churches in the Virginia Conference. The Conference of Methodism is is divided further here in Virginia into 16 different districts. And the leader of each district is called a district superintendent. So Ebenezer Church is part of what's called the Rappahannock River District. And our district superintendent is the Reverend Dr. Charles Bates. He was appointed back here in uh, in June, and I, I called his administrative assistant, and I said, I would love it if Dr. Bates could come and tell us his story, because it's an amazing story. And today was the day he was able to come, and I'm so very grateful that, that he is. I want to invite you to be praying for him. Uh, Dr. Bates uh, grew up in Liberia. And as if that the, the challenges he faced in, in making his way to the United States were not enough, now he has to be my supervisor, which I think is a particularly unique, unique challenge. But uh, we are most grateful for your presence and your leadership here among us. Would you join me in welcoming Reverend Dr. Bates?
1: Please pray with me. Spirit of the living God, fall afresh on me. Spirit of the living God, fall afresh on us. Meld us, mold us, fill us, and use us. Spirit of the living God, fall afresh on us. Dear God, we pray now that the words of our mouth and the meditation of our hearts will be acceptable in your sight. Amen good morning when your pastor says, please pray for me he I think he is being sincere um, yes please pray for me in um in, in dealing with him <laughs> but again it is a, it is a joy to be a, uh, I I like to uh recognize your wife um, god bless you glad to see you this morning and uh I, 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 I say that, too, with passion. <laughs> Pat is here. Pat does a lot of work for us on the district, too, and she's here this morning. Pat, God bless you. Good to see you as well. Uh, but I was sharing with your pastor that uh, it is not uh, common for me to share my story uh, four times a day. Um, and, and, and seriously, because uh, it, is, it is, very. it can become very emotional. Uh, and uh, one time a day is sufficient enough. But I, I had to pray for for perseverance uh, to be able to do this. And so I, I I pray that you would journey with me. The passage of scripture that was read, uh, and we thank God for Sean, and uh, it was read so eloquently. Uh, every time I think of this scripture, um, I, I think about what God has done for me when I look in retrospect. And so what was uh, it, it, the forecast wasn't too good. But to now look in retrospect and see where God had brought me from, I'm ever mindful that God is a good God. Uh, Jeremiah says, I know the plans I have in mind for you, declares the Lord. They are plans for peace and not disaster. To give you a future filled with hope. But how can you tell someone that your plan for them is something beautiful when all around them the world is crumbling down? It's difficult to see that simply because of what is happening in your natural world, right? We live in a culture where um, we want to see things happening. If we cannot feel and touch and taste and smell those things, for us, they are not happening and so uh, they must be happening in real time. And so for anyone to say or suggest that the Lord will do this or the Lord has this plan for you, when when when, when you're so broken, right, when you're going through all kinds of things and, and it seems like life uh, uh, has forgotten about you, everybody else has forgotten about you, it is difficult, very difficult to think that, yes, God is with me. But uh, I want to take you on a journey on this whole thing I refer to as courtship, right? Courtship in our culture, in the Liberian culture, in many of the uh, uh, African cultures, it is not something that is taking lightly. You have to basically spend a lot of time uh, with that family, getting to know that young lady, write a letter to dad, uh, asking permission to visit, uh, by that time, you're just friends, and then when you go to the courtship, it goes to another level, and then another level before you get engaged and then marry. So it is, it, it is uh, a process. The next slide will 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 help us to see this how and how we can translate this uh, or make some connection to God's relationship with us. Adam Copa, uh writes in our quote: "Love is patient." Don't rush what you want to last forever. Love is patient. Don't rush what you want to last forever. Unquote. I believe that that is why God is so patient with us. Because if God was like us, oh gosh, have mercy. I don't think any of us would be here today. But I'm so grateful that God does not think like us. God does not reason like us. God does not behave like us. Amen? Because God is God. His thoughts are not like ours, right? His ways are not like ours. In Genesis 1 and 2, the next slide, we read that God created the world, right? And everything was good until God made us. That would be the next slide. As soon as God made us and put us in charge of everything, we messed up. What God had created, right? How is that? The Bible says that God breathed into us and we became living souls. Suggests that we have a part of God's DNA in us. So God does not mess up, right? So if we have a part of God's DNA in us, how is it that we do things to grieve God's spirit? We should be loving, we should be kind, we should be respectful, right? We should embody the things of God. But because we messed up and God had worked extremely hard in creating this thing that God created called heaven and earth, God says, I'm going to try to fix it. And what does he do? He sent his son, Jesus Christ, to fix it for us. Wrong choices. But like the song the band sang, God's mercy is more, is more. The power in Jesus Christ that is behind us Is far greater than the challenges that are ahead of us. And so if we know that, if we can if we can sense that and live into that experience, many times the challenges that we face, we will be able to persevere through them. All right? Wrong choices. And I'm one of those persons I will submit to you who made a very terrible choice. The next slide will show you two symbols a soccer ball. And that church you see to your right, that is my home church. That church was destroyed three or four times during the civil crisis in Liberia. And each time it crumbled to the ground, the folks got together, and that is the most recent, uh, structure that you see there now. That soccer ball was my life. All I did was to play soccer. So soccer in Liberia will be like baseball. In the States, that's the pastime. Every young person you see, every place you go, you see a little empty field. People are there playing soccer. That is what we, we do. All right. I compromised church to play soccer. I love it so much. I was fortunate that at the age of 14, I play on a club level. I play on a national level. I was so fortunate. I was very gifted at it. But rather than going to church, I would go to games. And this day, I recall, we were playing this team that had never won us. We were not prepared for them to win us this time. But i forgot forgotten that I had made a commitment to the youth group to speak to them on Easter Sunday evening during the youth program. And I left without even informing them to go and play this soccer game. Well, five minutes into the game, I fell and broke my hand. We lost the game. One goal to zero. I wonder whether God was sending me a message. And every time I look back, I think that yes, God was sending me a message. We lost. One goal to zero. And so, even though I had disappointed God and made the wrong choice to leave the church, something that my parents had invited me to do all my life, God continued God's courtship. That will be the next slide. God did not forget about me. God does not forget about us when we turn our backs on God. God is still with us in spite of how we grieve God's spirit. And so I invite us to take an inventory of our relationship with God. What does that courtship look like? What does it look like between you and God? You need to re-examine that. The next slide I, I I did this to show how sometimes we can be like the prodigal son. Well I didn't ask my parents in this case to give me everything that they owned. They didn't have much, right? But the arrogance in all of this was that I left the church to go and play soccer. But there was an epiphany in my life. When one Sunday morning while the preacher gave the invitation, I was sitting in the choir. I used to be the choir master, call it choir master in those days. I was the choir master for my choir for about 13, 14 years. And I was seated in the choir. And when the pastor gave the invitation, the only thing I recall was that I was kneeling at the rail and just shouting, Pastor, please help me, I'm ready. Please help me, I'm ready. I have had the epiphany that the Lord had a call on my life even though my parents had told me a long time ago that there was a call on my life. But I didn't see it. I didn't see it. That was the altar call. But I had not experienced that inward call from the Lord. Because in that community that we live in, everybody there who pastor was elderly people. They were elderly people. And so in my mind, I could go to school, and then when I got old, I could become a pastor then. And that was what I was thinking. But God was still quoting me. He was still quoting me. And the things that we want to last forever... Those things do not come very easily. The next slide. At that altar, I accepted Christ. I knew who Christ was, even though I had been told. But this was the inward call. I received it for myself. It's like our grandparents or or that Sunday school teacher who helped us on our spiritual journey. There comes a time when we have to experience it for ourselves. Second Corinthians 5 tells us, That we are a new creation. The old things are no longer. They do not exist anymore. And so at this point, I felt like I was a new creation. I was, I felt like I was more rooted. (coughs) Excuse me. I felt I was more rooted in the word of God. I felt like I was being built up in Christ. I wanted to be established in my faith. I wanted to offer thanksgiving to God because God has saved my life. And the good thing about it was that I had seen it and experienced it. It was heartfelt, and I knew that it was the Lord speaking to me. The next slide helps us to understand. This whole thing about God's call is a mutual understanding. For each call, there is a response. There's mutuality. In our response to God's call on our life. What has God called you to do in this place and in this time? By God allowing you to experience this brand new Sunday morning. Suggest that when the role was called this morning. Did you know that there was a role that was called in heaven this morning? You did you all didn't know that? Did you all know? The role in heaven was called this morning. Seriously. Every single morning, the roll is called. And when you wake up, it means that your name was called. And that is why you are alive. What thanksgiving can you give to God? Did you earn being here today? I suggest no. It is God's grace and mercy that brought each of us to this place this morning. So we did not earn the right for our names to be called. And so when God enables us to be present in these situations, that is reason to offer thanksgiving to God. Right? What is your response? How do you do something to be relevant in this day and time that God has given you? In my life, I share with people that I do not live from day to day like I used to say. I live moment by moment because I appreciate this moment. I do not know what the next moment be given to me. And this is a part of what I went through during the crisis in Liberia. I was living moment by moment because I did not know what the next moment would have been like for me. And so let's, let's move to the next slide. While we were just sinners, Christ died for us. This was how God showed God's love toward us. Even though I was still in my sin and doing all of the wonderful things in the church, directing the choir for 13 years, working with the youth for all of those years, I did not know Christ for myself. I was doing things because people saw the gift in me. But it was through the cultivation of those things that Christ called me. God wants to build that authentic relationship with us because God wants it to last. Why does God want it to last? Because it is God's will for us, according to John 6, the next slide. According to John 6. The reason why God continues the courtship is that he does not want none of our souls to be lost to Satan. That is why he continues the courtship. Right? Right? God wants each of us to experience eternal life with his son, Jesus Christ. That is why he invests in us and continues this courtship. But we shouldn't take it for granted. We shouldn't think that because we're alive each day and God has given us the mobility of our limbs, that we have our five senses, suggests that we have earned something. We have not earned anything. It is that courtship to help to mold us into that relationship with Jesus Christ. And so, after all of this, and all of what I have tried to do, there came a time, 1980, that actually began the civil crisis. The next slide. Where we were running for our lives, did not know where we were going. I had started my process in ministry, and I didn't know where it would have taken me, but I had to stop because everything was shut down in the country. And so I have 47 members of my family that I took to journeying with. And by virtue of starting the ministry, uh, uh, the other ministry process, I was the pastor by default. I was supposed to lead them. I was supposed to be in prayer for them. And when we journeyed, I saw situations where people were being murdered, entire families were being executed. And so the thought came to mind. We needed to divide our family into smaller groups. So just in case all of us wouldn't die at once. And we divided our family into smaller groups. I would say probably seven, seven or eight. And we left. And the prayer was that God would just reunite us because we didn't know. But my friends, while I was on my journey, several things happened. In fact, by the time we left, before we left that night, we were praying. We were cut up between two military barracks. And our windows, were, I mean the shell was just falling in. Glasses falling on the floor on where we were. And I got up that morning after four days under our bed and I told my wife we have to leave. She was wondering whether I was crazy. And I said, I heard a voice that we leave. And we did. As soon as we left that house, there was a grenade that fell on our house and demolished it to the ground. That was God's way of continuing God's courtship with us to save, to save our lives. Like I share with you, uh, I play soccer at the highest level. Uh, people were so crazy during the crisis that they could kill you for anything. This soccer adversary that, that I mentioned here on this slide, every time we played their team, we beat them real bad. I mean, I'm not kidding. Uh, and and I used to call captain the team. And when I knew that we could just beat a team, we're going to go and discourage you in the very first five minutes. So that you know we're not there to play. Right? And we would do that. We would discourage you and then we would take like our secondary team and put them on the field to give them some experience. And that was what we did. This guy had heard that I was traveling from this other area and he had set a trap for me so that he could kill me. It was it was simple things like those. If you were dating somebody and this person wanted to date this person but you were blessed and this girl chose you over that person, that was another reason to get killed. And so, I managed to escape that. The math grave experience, young men were walking on one side of the road and women and children were walking on the other side of the road. And if you got to a place at a certain time and there were bodies all over the place, You, that group was responsible to collect those dead bodies, dig a mass grave, put them in there, and your reward was that you were going to be shot and buried in that mass grave. That was the situation I was caught up in. And so when I got there, we did what we needed to do, By this time your spirit has left your body. You're just there. And we did that. And after doing that, I want to show you how good God is. Just about the time we were ready to be shot and buried into that grave, there was a commotion among the very people who were trying to kill us. It was so bad that they forgot about us. And that was a moment we used to escape. God was working. God was still courting us because God wanted a relationship that would last. There's so many, many other stories I could tell, but this last one about the, the uh the shot to my head. I was walking, like we said, men one side, women and children on the other side. And so while I was going this this soldier called me and he tried to execute me basically. But the gun wouldn't discharge. But this time I feel like My spirit is completely out of my body. My frame is just standing there. But he took the gun from my head and looked to see what he actually had cartridges in there and fire in the air and the gun fire. And three to four times he put that gun to my head to fire after he had tested it in the air. And it still did not go off. I think God was still coding me and preparing me to serve Amen. I think so. And so, I left that situation and went. And while we were on our way, this is very telling. There were times that I literally had to look my nieces and nephew in their eyes, watching them dying of starvation. This way it gets hard. You have your nieces and nephews with you. They're so weak that if you handed them a piece of sandwich, they couldn't even reach their arms out to hold it. And I had to make a very several hard, difficult decisions. I said, who do I give it to? The one that might probably live for the next, the next two hours until we get to another village? Or this one who's going to die the next minute? Those were the kind of decisions that I had to make. No safe drinking water. Just going somewhere in the bush for three months, not knowing where we were going. And I'm telling you, we divided those family into those eight groups. And it was sometime in September. I do not recall the date. I have it written down somewhere. All eight of the group that we divided to go separate ways for fear that we will be extinguished arrive at a bordering country at the same time we didn't know that we were going to that time we were just traveling in a bush but that is how good god is but then when we got there just before we got there i heard of a man a man who killed my oldest brother my oldest brother was a lieutenant in the in the uh police force this man was our uncle, not biological, but an uncle who who sat at our table and ate with us. If we didn't know where our brother was, he told us where to find him. They traveled together, did their things together. This man took my brother and turned him over to the enemy. And they executed him before his four children. Small children, young children. They lived with the trauma of that incident even today i took them to be my children i didn't have any children at the time i took them and now they are grown men and women with the exception of one they're all married we thank god for that but i wanted to get to this man if for nothing else i just wanted to grab him and shake him until something happened how dare you turn my brother over you deceive us how dare you do that to us? How dare you do that to my parents? To his young children. But an elderly man told me, Charles, the Lord says that he will avenge. Do not spend your energy on this. Utilize your time doing something else. I was acting out of character. The next slide. Romans twelve one and two. Our bodies are living sacrifices. Holy and pleasing to God. This is our priestly service. The next slide. So instead of being conformed to the patterns of the world, we should be transformed. And this elderly pastor helped me to be transformed. The next slide. By so doing, I responded to God in faith. Paul contrasts the old way of living to the new way of living. When we live in the old way, we have poor reasoning. We're disconnected from God. We're arrogant. We're corrupt. But when the new way, when we embrace that new way, it changes us. We're no longer those old persons. Our way of thinking is renewed. We live in God's likeness. This was the person that I had become after my encounter with that elderly pastor. And so, my friends, today, the next slide, I want to share with you that those persons who get on your last nerve, who try to make you act out of character, love them unconditionally. Love them unconditionally. The experience I have shared with you here today may not be yours. Yours is unique to you. You may not be called to dig a mass grave. You may not be called to give one of your nieces or nephew a piece of bread. A gun may not be at your head. But you might be going through something in your life that is your story that is unique to you. Look at it and see how God is working in your life. And so, I want to close by saying that with all of what have happened in my home country, Liberia, I have prepared myself in so many ways to help my parents fulfill their dreams. The next slide. I have a commitment to the base foundation. This is a lifelong commitment for me because as we speak right now, we do not have a clinical psychologist in Liberia all of the trauma of what I just explained to you, people are living those things over and over and over again. Even though we're not hearing gun firing in the country anymore, but people are struggling. So pray for me and pray with me as I do the work here as the district superintendent on our beloved district. And as I strive to help to meet the needs of those suffering brothers and sisters in that part of the world. Because they do not have anyone. They are broken. They're broken, and by God's grace, I believe that we can help those broken brothers and sisters. So I want to invite you to pray this prayer with me in the next slide. There are some things in your life that you cannot do anything about, but there are things that you can do something about. Let us pray this serenity prayer and ask God to place us in the position that we might be able to do the things that are within our place of reasoning. Shall we pray? God, grant, let's pray together. Grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Amen. God bless you. you.
0: Would you join me in welcoming and thanking Dr. Baseman? God bless you, brother. One of the things I find so interesting about his story, and he didn't—he wouldn't tell you this because he's, as you could tell, a humble guy. um, Except about soccer playing, he was proud of being a really good soccer player, wasn't he? Yeah. So uh, I don't know anything about soccer. Maybe someday we'll get out there and kick the ball around together. Uh, But uh, after this this tremendous, uh, challenging ordeal, you came here to the United States. You were appointed as a pastor, and he was appointed in a relatively rural church. Uh, Church within a community where there wasn't a great deal of um, of mental health care. Uh, In fact, there was none. And uh, so, Dr. Bates, well, I'm going to help. So he went back to college and got his doctorate in psychology to become a clinical psychologist to help better serve the community around him. I, I just... I look at his life and I'm so grateful that for your leadership here in our district and in our conference and, and I find it to be an inspiration that, uh, no matter how big the challenge is that God, God has called us to make a difference in the lives of the people around us and that in the midst of all that God is continuing to court us and show God's love for us. Amen.